Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Where is Adam? Anybody know? Where it is at Adam? Where it is at Adam? Good. Welcome back to the front three. It's Saturday and therefore it's Q&A time. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, why am I talking, Dave? I don't know. We seem to have lost Adam Boltwood. If anyone could, you know, if anyone finds him wandering the streets of London, if they could, you know, send him back to us, that'd be absolutely fantastic. In a drunken stupor somewhere. He's taken, he's taken a weed again, Dave. A whole <laughs> weed. Uh, and I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's fine. I'm, and I don't want, I don't want anyone to think he is being irresponsible, but he definitely is. Uh, Adam, if you're out there, just reply. We just want to know you. It's not you safe, son. Uh, but it's Q&A day, and that means that it's Q&A day for the weekend, because there's only the front two now, Dave. Um, which makes this kind of a striking combination. Do you want me to yeah. be the big man? Do you want to run off, or how do you want to do it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that'll be all right. You could hold the ball up, and I'll just look to get in behind, mate. I think I'm that's not a good sure little combination. Strength. We've got. not sure I've got the strength for that. Uh, we might be a better back two. Maybe this week it should be the back two. <laughs> that sounds good to me, mate. I reckon we could, you know, I reckon we'd be decent. Oh, Dave, I've already I got it. We can be a double pivot. In midfield. Oh, there we go. We'll be Obviously, you'll pivot. be Chabby Alonso and I'll be Paul Scholes. I'll we'll just run the show. Do you know what? That would actually be a really good midfield combination. It would be uh, disgusting. That, yeah. that you'd have metro- metronome style and Xabi Alonso's ability with the ball. And both of them have kind of a, a good mix. Mm. Both could play, you know, similar roles. Getting into the penalty area, defending the own penalty area. Oh, mm. That'd be great. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there is, there's a lot of questions for us today, David. We tweeted out yesterday and then didn't work out so we're doing it on Saturday morning and the first uh, great great I, I want to put this out there for, the first great comment of the week was Tension who's at Saladura I want to say uh, he says my attempt at writing the front three on a cake <laughs> and he's written it I don't think it's a very big cake I think it's one of the fairy cakes but it is still a good cake um, we've retweeted that go see that in our timeline if someone tries to make a cake for you I think that's pretty good Dave that is pretty cool you know I it think, though, it's a cookie, Lawrence. I don't want to offend uh, tension. Oh, he did, he did say cookie. Yeah, you're right. I just Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, the little think... details, the minor details, but it's... no, it, it looks absolutely smashing. Uh, first proper question of the week comes from Dayson 1996. I hope that wasn't the year you were born. Um, otherwise, you'd be 20 now. God, what I would... <laughs> I loved being 20. Um, tw- I'm 21 now. Uh, who's your favourite <laughs> manager of all time, he says? Uh, Adam, oh, I'm Russia Pochettino. Uh, Dave, <laughs> what about you? Well, I'm, I'm going to go with the obvious choice of Sir Alex Ferguson, the absolute phenom, 26 years in charge, all those trophies. He's the most success- he- Isn't he the most successful European manager of all time? Yes, he is, yes. Yeah. I'd definitely say so. Obviously, European football-wise, he's not is the only thing that you'd sort of criticise him on, but you know, the longevity of his career, the ability to mix it up, to play different styles and systems, and to evolve, I think that was the best thing that, that happened to Fergie was his evolution over his career. There is a, there's a long list of good managers out there. Uh, Jock Steen, obviously, another really successful oh, yeah. Scotsman. Um, th- then there's some kind of European guys I, I know less about. I was looking up a list. I mean, Walter Smith is apparently a very successful manager. Uh, with Rangers, 
if if we're going to go down the success route. But I guess it's all to do with yeah, uh, Dave. You can kind of go on and off the field, can't you? Because you can sort Definitely. of go you've got the the on field sort of you know Jurgen Klopp, uh, mm. even Sir Alex, even Jose Mourinho, those kind of guys. And then you can go the off the field kind of guys uh, who you know you can be quiet or you know you can be uh, one of those outspoken managers. You can be a, a witty guy. And I was just looking through what managers are around at the moment, let alone what managers have been around in the past. And you can run off names, and every one of them you go, brilliant. Mourinho, Ferguson, Wenger, Guardiola, Ancelotti, Van Gaal, Benitez, Capello, Hitzfeld, uh, Hiddink, Klopp. Uh, I mean, you know, Roberto Ancelotti. Mancini. Was he in there? Yeah, I think I said Ancelotti. Ancelotti. Uh, Diego Simeone, Roberto Di Matteo won a European Cup. Andre Villas Boas, <laughs> Sven Goran Eriksson. Crazy stuff with Sven as well. Won the um, UEFA Cup with Gothenburg. Yeah, absolutely. What a what a feat! And then had a brilliant um, Lazio team with uh, Sebastian Veron as the fulcrum of that side. It's just there's been a lot of good managers. I think um, Ancelotti as well is a guy that I've you know I've been criticised in the past, but I sort of you know I'm starting to I'm starting to like Ancelotti. I think he's a no, it seems like a very good guy. The older a manager gets, the better they become, right? Mm. It might, I mean, you know, there's obviously a point where people become too old. But, uh, you know, uh, there, is, there are a lot of young managers with kind of old heads around. Yogi Love is around. Uh, I, wa- I want to say, uh, I want to say Roy Keane was a, an interesting manager. <laughs> an interesting manager. That's the perfect way to put it, I think. But, but even the, pre- I mean, there's, there's Conte. You know, there's Kike Sanchez Flores. I think if he was at a bigger club, we'd be talking in a very different way. Well, he was at, was at a flat coverage, wasn't he? He won the yeah, Europa League or the UEFA Cup. You know, in Europe. England right now. Uh, Alan Pardew. No. Roberto Martinez. Yes. Uh, Anton, Antonetti. Uh, Allegri. Allegri. Uh, there are so many out there. Uh, but my favourite, I, I don't know, let us know your... Sam Allardyce, let us know your favourites, guys. <laughs> uh, we'd be interested. And I said it to you earlier, though. Diego Maradona was a manager. <laughs> a crazy one at that can you imagine him being a manager just what would you he's one he's definitely one of those inspiration managers um i wonder what he said sort of tactically then there are sort of managers like tactically as well though, aren't they i love those managers who are just tactically so astute you know van gaal's a mm. good manager for god's sake um and then obviously there's people like bill shankly in liverpool's past marcello lippi 25 yeah, years it, since uh, Bill Shankly passed away this year. Very sad for Liverpool fans. Um, and then, of course, the guy who took over from him, who made them even more successful, Bob Paisley, who, uh, when he first took over at Liverpool, said something along the lines of, um, I'm an amateur jockey riding a derby horse. Um, <laughs> and, you, I mean, you've got to say, I mean, he, how many Europe, he won three European Cups in his time at Liverpool, one UEFA Cup, and one, two, three, four, five, six European, uh, six league titles in that time. I mean, that's, what a manager, and he, and he really was a great manager, you know. But then I'd say that was also, uh, what about uh, you know? We could take the question even further. What about a team of managers? You know, because some managers aren't anything without their backroom staff. You know what I mean? Like Liverpool were the boot room at that time, and apparently they would just sit around with a load of wine and talk about stuff and beers and all sorts of things. Um, it's a good way, good way to relax. But Lawrence, you haven't given the answer. Who is your who's your favourite manager of all time? It's going to have to be Bob Paisley, Dave. Um, I like, although it's difficult to say not to say Bill Shankly, isn't it? Yes. Especially as a Liverpool fan, you definitely say Bill Shankly. If you don't know anything about Bill Shankly, go and buy Red or Dead. It's a fantastic book uh, written by the same guy who wrote The Damned United. Amazing. Uh, anyway, we've taken enough of your time talking about managers so far. Dave, tactically, who's your favourite manager? 
uh, at the moment. Yeah. Right now. I quite, I'm quite. i starting to become a big fan of Allegri. Um, Why? He's done Just great stuff. Juventus, and he moved it around. Like last season with the Champions League side, obviously they played 4-4-2 diamond, but it could switch to a 3-5-2, which yeah. is 3-6-1. There's all sorts of things. But I think, you know, I've followed Jürgen Klopp for years and years and years. It's just a shame he did go to Liverpool, for me personally, <laughs> but he's a great manager. You know, he, 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 this Liverpool side will come together and they will click. You know, an interesting stat over the last, um, you know, since he took over as manager at Liverpool, Liverpool have won more tackles than any other team in the 78, present part. 78, so 78. Exactly. It's yeah. starting to come. It's starting to come for him. And I think he'll have to, you know, there's players that are going to have to go in and come out, you know, likes of, if Christian Benteke doesn't go on a goal-scoring run, you'd probably see him being moved on. Uh, his other certain players in the side, like Lucas Lever, I don't think he's a proper Jurgen Klopp type player. So, although he did, he, you yeah, know what was good about Lucas was the other night I went to go and see him live uh, at the bowling ground. Uh, Liverpool lost, obviously, and you know it was probably partly his fault as he was in the back line. Um, but he played centre back for Liverpool, and I, honestly, he, it was one of the better centre back performances that I've seen a Liverpool <laughs> player put in this season. So he's he does have his uses. I think he, uh, you know, and that sounds very sort of harsh and cold about him, but he's um, he's one of those players that you imagine they keep him around for more than just a role that he plays within the team. Mm, a leader, a leader in the dressing room. And he's a Brazilian. Yeah, that's fair shout. Yeah. Got to have your Brazilians in the dressing room. Good laugh. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, although when AC Milan had all their Brazilians in the yeah, too many Brazilians. Yeah, spoils uh, the broth apparently. Although that yes, I, I, I it's a phrase. Uh, can you remember? I mean, if you think they had Thiago Silva, Ronaldinho, and Pato, I think on the same team. Although maybe they didn't have Thiago Silva at that time. I think they, they think they definitely had Thiago Silva at that time because he left with sort of after Zlatan, didn't he? He did. Yeah, Zlatan was in that. I think there's a bit of crossover. Where was he after that? Yeah, there was some crossover, definitely. And then there was Rubinho in that AC Milan team. God. They had, apparently they had a Brazilian corner. If you go to do the uh, Toro San Siro, which I did with Marcus from the Football Ramble, uh, the, there's a Brazilian corner they sort of made for themselves uh, in the dressing room. Two very different dressing rooms into an AC Milan. Not putting either. Maybe more on those guys later. Dave, uh, Thaddeo says, uh, do you guys think they're eliminating league standings in youth football? Oh, what do you guys think? Sorry, uh, that was not that. He's, yeah, I, I read that wrong. Dave, what do you think of eliminating standings in uh, youth football? No, it's silly. I think you need competition. I think that's where you um, you mould superstars and you mould great players from having um, you know fixed competition. Uh, the uh, Labour government was criticised a lot for removing you know the competition at, at sort of you know at schools in the, the PE departments you know saying that everyone's a winner and that type of thing where when you want to breed a proper athlete a proper you know real a killer in a way that really does take take his opponent and destroy the competition yeah you see what i mean like not not an actual killer but no, yes. that's going to yeah. smell blood and then take their opponent apart i think with if you eliminate the competition in new football yes it'd be good for Potentially, it'd be good for morale of some of those players, but it's the wrong environment to breed superstars, in my personal opinion. I suppose there's a lot of different ways of breeding superstars, aren't there? You could go down the route of, look, we're all equal kind of thing, which sometimes yep. works. Um, and, you know, achievement is doing the best within your, you know, within your own personal um, field. So, you know, I think, again, we go back to Bill Shankly. He said when he was in the army, you know, if someone said to him, scrub your floor, scrub the floor, he'd want his part of the floor to be the, the cleanest. Mm. And he's, he sort of had that perspective. And I guess that's what competition is about, isn't it? Is it it's yeah. supposed to breed a sense of perspective so you can win and lose and you become a better person because of that is the idea, I guess. Yes, yeah, um, it's to breed that, you know, that uh, Kaizen approach, you know, the continuous Im- improvement of yourself. For example, at youth football, 
you know, these players aren't rounded at all. They're rough diamonds, as you know, put it into a sort of cliche type way. Where Very they like you learn, They need to learn to, to lose. They need to learn to win. They need to, you know, improve all their skills. So I feel that if there was, you know, it was removed from the competition factor was removed for it, we're going to lose a massive, massive part of a player. But when I was a kid, I, I didn't like, I loved going to play football, but I didn't like playing competitive football because it, how, it, how it made the other kids act. So I didn't like that other kids would become nasty because of comp- competition. And I think you and I gr- sort of grew up in the generation where it really was like a, a, you know, there was a lot of, I don't know, kind of nasty parents around. I remember some of them just said horrible, horrible things to kids who would turn up at football. Yeah, and I think I just, that's, that, that's a big thing. That, that's a great point, that Lawrence. It's sort of like you've, okay, the question was, do we remove competition at youth level? I'd say, no, we keep the competition at youth level, but... It's at the parent, parent level. That needs to be that needs to be sort of reined right in. And that is the world puts to rights. Um, We've done it. Uh, Dave's Completed opinions it. on Man United's failing, in inverted commas, youth team, beating City's, in inverted commas, world-class development squad to send them 10 points clear in the league. Yeah, Dave, suck a dick. Oh, so we're talking um, the under-21s. That's quite a lot of players that have been brought in from different countries and and potentially that some of those players haven't come through the youth academy the whole way the the issue that we're going to see in Manchester United it's not now that we're going to see the massive failings of it it's going to be in a few years time where we're massively behind Manchester City Chelsea etc 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 that the players will want to go to those clubs instead the the training for those clubs is going to be better they're going to have evolved their training methodology as well and Man United is still massively in the past Mm. and it's Yes, okay, the development squad did beat them, but then we're looking at the likes of Will Keane, who's 23 years old. He's not a young player anymore. I remember him coming through. I was, I was still um, around Manchester, I think, when he was coming through, watching the reserves, and he was a fantastic player. A f- really good touch, strong, physical, quite you know, quick on the ball, could finish um, you know, up there with all the likes of Giuseppe Rossi, who I saw coming through as well at, um, earlier on. Um, but obviously he got had a nasty injury. But then what I'm going back to the point that's, is that's that such there was a waste of good older time, players there, right? There's some, like Yanazai, Pereira that are in around that squad they're no longer youth players for me they should be in the first team they should be incorporated into that first team side and I think that is a massive failing with Louis van Gaal is yes okay he's he's brought in these players and given them one or two appearances the likes of you know um, Blackett or Paddy McNair but it's the consistent you've got to have the consistency of playing these players uh, week in week out or they're not going to progress right well I guess it's a cohesive vision isn't it and you know uh, again I'll go back to Liverpool playing in the cup earlier in the week uh, they played fantastically. You know, Liverpool had Stuart Smith, uh, a number of young guys out there on the pitch who performed well against the Premier League side. So it's not like these players can't compete. It's just, I think, you know, it's also that you have the right environment for them to evolve, I guess. And the right environment, how do you create that? How do you yeah, I think created the big question, isn't it? It's, it's, again, it's the vision of the club that needs to be solved. Like, what do we want to produce? Um, how do we want to produce it? Uh, and I feel that the stopgap of the under 21s at the moment, you know, if you drop back to under 18s level, we're up, abs- you know, we are, sorry, Manchester United are absolutely, you know, they're doing, but they're doing quite poorly in the league. Mm. Um, they're getting beaten by, you know, sides that you'd expect to be, uh, you know, a lot lesser uh, clubs in a way. Obviously that's quite downgrading to the other clubs, but it's, it's just for the size of Manchester United, they should be developing uh, players left, right and centre at the moment. They're just not doing that in the local community. I feel that there's a bit of a gap as well. You know, we look at the, the Northern Division, Man United are rock bottom. Um, rock they, bottom. They've played 19 games and lost 14 of them. They've conceded 43 goals and he scored 23. Um, that's just poor. 
the likes of Stoke, the likes of Derby, Newcastle, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Wolves, Sunderland, Blackburn, you'd expect United to have a better standard than those, but they're not anymore. I guess and what I think you also think big... is, uh, you know, obviously that team's losing. There may be a couple of really good individuals in there. I think, who was it the other, I think Arsenal's uh, under 16s or something, like, under 18s or something ridiculous, lost by a huge margin. And a lot of people picked up on the match review um, oh, you know, they lost 10-0 or whatever it was. But what the opposing side said was, we got played off the park, uh, but they didn't score any goals. And they've got some real talent in there, like some four players who were head and shoulders above everyone else. But that doesn't mean they're always going to thrive at youth youth level. And it is about developing them to get to the top level. It's not about taking a whole team of 11 through. It's about picking those players out and bringing them through. Because you're not going to replace your entire 11 every season, are you? But, but people sort of think, think if they don't play well as a team, then they're, a, you know, the entire squad, all of the squad is bad. And that's not true. I think that goes down to the collective of the, the team then again. You know, yeah, there, there might be a few rough diamonds in the United team, but, they're, they're, you know, the league form after 19 games show that they're not collectively a very good side, which, you know, you go down to drill that down further. Okay, what's going wrong there? Are the fullbacks not good enough? Are the centre-backs not good enough? Is the goalkeeper not good enough? Is the centre midfielders not good enough? Are they at the same standard as they were before? United got absolutely smashed in the FA Youth Cup against Chelsea. I think it was 5-1 or something like that. There was players that, like Callum Gribben, that's supposed to be the next big thing. That You've seen clips of him play very, very well. But, you know, if you're getting smashed at that level, there's a big worry. There's a massive, massive worry. And I feel that the under-21s, going back to our original question, is that they're covering up the cracks that live below. Ooh, the cracks that live below. Rock bottom! Um, oh my God, it's a table! <laughs> will clubs like Aya, and this is from German Chicas, <laughs> I don't know what that's name, maybe it's Chichas, um, will clubs like Ajax and Celtic be able to win the Champions League again, Dave? I hope so. I love the, the stories. That's what I love about football is the stories. You know, you go back and the first British side to win the European Cup was Jock Steen Celtic side yeah. that be a very defensive-minded Inter Milan side. They, they smashed them with a, playing a 4-2-4 system. During a time um, of immense corruption. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's nice, again, with Ajax, you know, bringing a load of youth players for, I think that's, that Celtic team was, uh, you know, everyone, every single player in that side lived around the ground. I don't know if we're going to have that anymore. I think the commercialisation of football uh, means that sides like uh, Ajax, like Celtic, will get dismantled before they can get to that stage again, which is quite sad. It is interesting. I mean, do you, uh, I think it's Rude Hullet who speaks a lot about the t- his time in AC Milan when he was saying, you know, the cl- w- th- that was our lives, you know? We were allowed to go back to our wives and our, and our kids, um, but they tried to keep us for as long as they could. And it was an institution. And we all believed in each other because of that. And I thought that was really interesting, the Rude Hullet side of sort of, I, you know, I know that sounds quite sort of uh, insular, but I guess what he's saying is it's sort of, you know, imagine, can you imagine a super complex around the Emirates, Dave? Exactly. No, you probably couldn't um, in a way. But it, this is, I think that's the first thing that City have done very, very well is doing that, you know, building that complex. I think other Premier League sides have probably got to follow that, you know, the Barcelona-esque Messiah. Um, <laughs> Messiah. He's I not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> the Youth Academy. I can't keep on getting hammered for this as well. I apologise to everyone listening. I am rubbish at saying things. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, but I feel that's the way to go. Um, I feel it'd be a good way to go, but no. Uh, the the point would be, Ajax still has uh, still has the the roots of a good club, and so does Celtic. But can you imagine that? And just imagine this, Dave. Pep Guardiola going to Celtic. Going that, to well, Ajax. 
<laughs> that would that would genuinely make. I think that's the next stage of football: is big managers going to place and reviving a club, not just taking on a big project, but reviving something in the same way that Klopp sort of did with Dortmund, or you know, Atletico of. Uh, Atletico Madrid have woken up somewhat under Simeone. So it's it's not yeah. impossible, is it? No, I don't think it is. I think that's that's sort of the the you know, these sleeping giants of European football. I think they will come round again. Mm. Um but it's sort of like, you know, your partisan Belgrade. So I think that will be on a similar level because, you know, Red Star Belgrade did very, very well in Europe back in the day. Same with Partizan. Um, and it'd be interesting to see, for example, if they were ever to come back, but you know, you yeah. look at Serbian football, um, again, big corruption lot of issues with money over there, not enough money to keep people's uh, players there. I look at Zerkovic, who's like one of the best, apparently one of the best right wingers in, you know, up and coming right wingers in world football. Yeah. How long is he going to stay at Partizan for? I think he's already actually, I think he's already, maybe have already moved, but it's a, it's a sad thing. It'd be nice to see players, you know, another generation at Ajax. On a sixpence says, uh, your England 11 for the Euros. God, this is going to be boring, isn't it? Uh, do you think Rose deserves a shout at left back? Dave, Joe Hart in goal, a back four. Um, yep. Who's your Who's your central two, Dave? Um, I'm going to go with Stones and Smalling. Interesting. Who Who are your wing backs? Nathaniel Klein. One. Potentially. Who else? Let me. Let me st- who's the, no, you're you're on the fullbacks, Loz. Uh, well, I'm going to go. Well, no, that, uh, Dave, you're, you're the tactical genius here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, what what about uh, Nathaniel Klein? And it's such a shame Luke Shaw broke his leg. Yeah. Well, that's it. If Luke Shaw can, you know, magic himself in a month and a half, <laughs> yeah. get his leg back together and whatever, and be playing football. Um, I think the you know the case for Ryan Bertrand could be there. To be quite honest, I think he's. Again, he's shown his importance to the Southampton side. They were quite poor when he was out injured. You no, know, returning to the side now, and he's been he's been very, very good. Um, you know, I think. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The likes of uh, the art, you know, Kieran Gibbs is probably no longer at the forefront of people's minds for football. Leighton Baines, as well, has probably dropped out. So, yeah, potentially give it give it to Bertrand until the end of the season. Interesting, Bertrand, really? Yeah, you do. who are the other candidates we've got at left back? Uh, good question. Um, don't really know, Dave. Uh, that's the point, though, isn't it? Uh, who would you put left back? Well, that's it. It would have, would have definitely been Luke Shaw, but with his horrible leg break following that pretty terrible tackle, no, going to be point. honest. Yeah, I, so I think I think Ryan Bertrand is the is the one there. You know, Kieran Gibbs. Again, we've already questioned Kieran Gibbs. 
Um, and then Baines has fallen out, you'd say. So I think it's going to have to be him, to be quite honest. Or Danny Rose could be a good shout. You know, if he Danny Rose, yeah. Maybe, sort of lock, maybe he said Rose. Does he spot. deserve a shout at left-back? So Danny Rose is that shout. Uh, central midfield, Dave. Give me a, what, what formation are we playing? Three? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with a flat four, I think. Oh, Dave. <laughs> oh. Go on. Ooh, right, so we're going to go with Eric Dyer holding. Oh, I like two. it. Oh, this is difficult. Don't ever go for Jordan Henderson or it's James Milner. Gotta be Jordan Henderson, Dave. Okay, so we'll go Henderson. So we'll go Eric Dyer and Henderson as yeah. a centre two, and then they're going to be flanked by, 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 by Chug, Chug. Come on. <laughs> um, maybe uh, you know you could potentially see maybe Jack. Well, have um, Sterling on the left. I like that, and uh, then on the right. Jordan James Ibe. Milner. Oh. James Milner on what? the right. So you Get can, that work right in. So you can drop into a three if you need to in midfield. Yeah, we just want to load that up with bodies, really, and legs. Legs and bodies. And then we're going to have Ross Barkley off Harry Kane. I think, oh, no, what about... No, sorry. I'm going to have to refresh this. We're going to put Jamie Vardy on the left. Harry Kane up top. What, Dave? And then uh, Sterling on the right. And then a midfield three of Milner, Henderson and Eric Dyer. Dave. And then where's that Deli Alley? Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> Dave sorry mate I've, I've kind of ruined it for you haven't I alright yeah I, d- I disagree holding Eric Dyer yeah Deli Alley Jordan Henderson as a three yeah and then we'll have a front three of Sterling um, Dave Hardy, Adam Kane. Lawrence um, that's a good front three right there although we should have front two now you let down yeah who's our, our front two going to be then <laughs> having taken E uh, the front two is probably going to be uh, so you're not putting Rooney in <laughs> I'm not putting Rooney in he's been dropped Interesting, Dave. Interesting. Watch out. Let us know your England 11s. Let us know your England 11s. Should Liverpool lose the Capital One Cup? Has Klopp's first season been a disappointment? No. Uh, Would MUFC be able to get Pochettino? Should they want to? Dave. I don't don't think... Yeah, well, again, sort of going back to the same thing. It depends what the club wants. I think Pochettino's shown that he's a a fantastic manager. Um, But it's whether United want to go for the short-term... Or the long term, to be quite honest. I think it's it's just one of those things that the club's got to make a decision. Do they want to try and uh, pull Pochettino away from Tottenham? Would he want to go as well? Is another question. You know, the Tottenham project is absolutely flying at the moment. Obviously, if Boltwood was here, he could tell us how good it's going with the likes of Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, all these young British players coming through into the side. So, yeah, I, I think that if they wanted to lure him, they could do. But it's whether they want to. Uh, do, do you think they want to? Mourinho? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be. It, it's, I think if the rumours are that if LVG doesn't make top four, Mourinho's in, um, or Mourinho might be in anyway at the end at, in uh, come June. But I think the thing with Mourinho will, will what he'll do is he'll refresh the core of the side, which I think is is needed yeah. um, in a way. With you know, you look at the centre halves at United. Smalling's obviously very good, but there's still no partner for Smalling at centre back. It's not a rotten um, core, is it, David? Just doesn't have the seeds. Yeah, I think the seeds need to be sown, and someone like Mourinho could. So those seeds, you know, Mourinho is yeah. a massive fan of Antoine Griezmann. Antoine Griezmann at Manchester United in an attacker midfield would be amazing. And Antoine Dave, Griezmann is not going anywhere. So good. Well, Griezmann ain't going nowhere, Dave. We've all we've always got to hope and pray that you know your favourite players can come to the Premier League so you can admire them. Yeah, uh, although he has just signed that new. Uh, didn't he? Just, hasn't he just signed a new contract at Atletico Madrid? Yeah, yeah a new bumper deal. 
Dave, uh, you're a movie critic. We don't oh, have yeah. anyone else on the podcast who likes movies. Mark Anthony Bustos says, Bustos says, uh, who is seeing the new Deadpool movie with Wags? Who's Wags? <laughs> um, I think Adam's actually seen it. So this is, an, uh, this is such a shame. Good point. I think, Adam's we, should, seen I think it. we should heckle him. We should heckle Adam it right now. It looks great. Well, Adam's, Adam's not here to supply, so uh, we can't, yeah, we can't we, even We've talk. got some media now, such as Twitter. Uh, good point. Uh, Dave, tweet, Dave, go and tweet something abusive about Adam now from the Front 3 account, uh, and I'll find some more questions. If Rooney got dropped, who do you think should captain England? Um, Rooney got dropped, who should captain England? Yes. Uh, maybe Smallinio. Um, or maybe... John Joe. Sorry, not John Joe. Sorry, George John Joe Shelby, <laughs> mate. John Joe Shelby, in. <laughs> Straight in. We need a captain uh, figure. Get John Joe on the phone. Um, John Joe, come in. Maybe uh, Joe Hart? Joe Hart, yeah, Joe Hart. Or Jordo. Hendo, Jordo. Jordo, Hendo. Joho. Joe, 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 hey. Um, compared to the usual suspects, how important is Robert Huth for Leicester City's campaign, Dave? That's from Soleiman. I like Soleiman. Um, I think there's um, the two centre-halves are very crucial to the way that they play. There's, uh, there's pairs know, all over the pitch, aren't there? I think that's what I, yeah, that's the thing. I think the uh, central midfield pairing or the striker pairing or uh, Mares's pairing with him with Vardy is a little bit more important than than uh, than Robert Huth. Um, you know, Angulo Conte and uh, Danny Drinkwater have been so so good in the second half of the season. They've really had that the, the partnerships really there. You know, they if one goes, one sits. If you know, it's, it's it works really well at the moment. You know, credit to Robert Huth and Wes Morgan for forming something pretty solid, but. They do have the weakness, you know, they do have obvious weaknesses, but they are playing, you know, uh, Ranieri's got them playing to their strengths. Mm. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say there's more important pairings. But that, but he is, he's, I mean, a centre-half is a, still a massive position. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And, uh, you know, the two goals he scored against City, the performance against City that he gave was, was brilliant. What's probably even more important about uh, Leicester centre-halves is that they've got some of the least possession in the Premier League this season, right? So, you know, when you're playing against a team who has a lot of the possession and, you know, you're willing to... Uh, sort of let it go, then your centre-halves become more important because yeah, of the structure think, of the side. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? That they're, you know, they, Leicester City have made more interceptions than any uh, team in the Premier League. That's just because they've, you know, they do, like you're saying, 41% average possession. I think it's around that mark. Mm. That is really low. That'll be the lowest um, possession of a champion. percentage of a champion, yeah, since the Opta records began, which was... 95 I about think, three so. years ago um <laughs> dave uh juan on uh, twitter says who do you what do you think of the possibility of playing a 60 minute game i personally don't agree i don't i don't know uh, i mean it's 90 minutes i mean football's 90 minutes for a reason isn't it yeah i think if it's 60 minutes that'd just be very strange wouldn't it i think it changed the athletes would have to adapt wouldn't they because you'd have to you'd have to give everything for 60 instead of 90 like they'd be It'd be like a different game, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. The, no, yes, it would, Dave. Um, <laughs> did you know, back when the NBA was uh, sort of, in, I think it was in the 60s, they banned dunking in the college league for 10 years. And it was really? essentially a racist ruling because what they were worried about was, and basically what they were saying was there are too many good young black men in the league who are dunking on all what? the people who can't. So they just banned it. That's ridiculous. And then you graduate to the NBA and you can, you can um, dunk again. It was so weird. 
amazing story on uh, I think it was 99% Invisible go and listen to it it's part of ESPN's new podcast series really great guys great podcast 99% Invisible I think with Roman Mars really great voice um, better voice than Adam I'm willing to say uh, here we go uh, oh, this one's good from Faruha who earlier in the week said they should swap me for Kristen on the podcast um, how much do you guys agree with the Champions League away goal advantage rule I thoroughly agree with it yeah I, I also agree with it as well I love it I think it's it it adds something more to the game doesn't it Tactically, exactly what do you do you know there's so many more questions if we we ruled that out I just feel that you know you, know, you do score three at home um, and the other team scores a goal away and then you go to the reverse fixture and you score twice and they you know, score four goals or whatever. I just feel that it's, uh, it's got to mean something. It really has. Playing away from home is, is you know, a massive disadvantage, right? Who would you rather have in your team, Dave, from Mandar? Mares or last season's Hazard? Ooh, inform Mares or inform Hazard, Dave? Inform Hazard, I think. Yeah, have you seen that, that video where Mares is a bit arsy this week on YouTube? with Spencer oh. C. He's a little bit arsy. Um, right. You've got your answer. Uh, if you were a billionaire, which club would you buy and why, Dave? Oh, it'd be Manchester United. No, you can't pick United. It says in okay. brackets here, not Spurs oh. United, Liverpool. Keep oh, that's up, really, oh, that's tough. That, that one's from Pisball. Oh, Pisball has done me. He's absolutely done me. Um, maybe Milan. Get them back to their glory days. AC or Inter, Dave? AC. AC. There's just something, there's something quite romantic about, about AC Milan. Inter- I'd buy an MLS team. Would you? Yeah. Ooh, actually, an investment. I'd buy a Chinese team. Good. Dave. Although, Dave, you're going to ble- bleed in money for quite some time. Doesn't matter, mate. It'll come back. Uh, Dave, Stockton wants to know, tits or ass? Hashtag I'm the whole. Uh, uh, we won't answer that one. Um, <laughs> what is the bane of every manager's existence? Says uh, Degolazzo. The media. Good. Uh, Baniel, which I, I don't know if that's a reference to uh, the same guy, uh, the guy who says B at the beginning, uh, Brian Badondi. Um, clubs that have had the biggest fall from grace, e.g. NUFC, not really a question, but would be cool to have a word on a former top club. We've kind of spoken about this. Dave, I mean, NUFC haven't really fallen from grace, have they? Uh, they're still up there. Uh, yeah, like you say, sleeping giants, team. right? A team that has fallen from grace, you'd say, in recent years or sort of decades would be Leeds United, right? You know, right at the top, um, competing, getting to a Champions League semi-final, um, unfortunately losing to Valencia, and then now in in the Championship after a bit of a state in League One. So you'd say Leeds United are probably a, a club that have fallen pretty bad, pretty hard recently. If Luis Enrique wins the treble again, Dave, uh, it, someone's just like something, so it's pushing. If Luis Enrique uh, wins the treble again, uh, would that make him a better manager than Guardiola? I think so, yes. I think that, you know, back-to-back trebles or back-to-back Champions Leagues would confirm it. I kind of, I, I do prefer this Barcelona team. Uh, I like the style of football a little bit more. It's a little bit more direct, uh, a little bit more uh, individual from the front three. I think that the, uh, you know, the integration of Rakitic in the side as well, really, it's an absolute masterclass. But they're both brilliant sides. But yeah, if he, if he did win the treble again, then... You know, he's probably the best manager ever in the short term, you'd say, right? AKA also says, your top four teams for for the top five leagues in the world. Top four teams? From the top five the top leagues. Five. So I'd go uh, Juventus, Barcelona, uh, who else would I go? Atletico Madrid. Over Real. Right now, yeah. That's a fair shout. 
and ooh, and and Liverpool, and that's my top four <laughs> teams. Dave, so you, you've missed out Bayern Munich there, Lawrence. But, yeah, you Dave, know, I don't really, I don't really care. I don't really care, Dave. So I'm going to go with top four right now. I'm going to go Leicester City, yeah, Bayern Munich, yeah, Barcelona, Ooh. and Juventus. Albin the Albino says, Dave, when will you admit your bullet prediction was wrong? Never. I'm going down with it. I'm going to have it on my gravestone. <clears throat> I was not wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, Dave, you can, the thing is, you can just keep saying it until he fails. And then exactly. he fails, you go, told you. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, I feel that it could be the start of next season where it sort of goes. You see a lot of managers um, that have preceded a defensive manager, sort of that come after a defensive manager, such yeah. as uh, Moyes then Martinez, where Martinez got a lot of the positive defensive work that Moyes had done with the side on Dave, his side. come on. The overlap. So unfair. I'm going to say the Sam Allardyce overlap is going to last until the end of this year. Dave, uh, Soliman says again, I, I love your question, Solomon. Isn't the fear and resentment of the Chinese league a bit Eurocentric and even hypocritical coming from fans of the BPL? Yes, Soliman. Massively. Uh, what I don't like is um, this whole week, there's, there's obviously been the debate over ticket prices. Keep them fair. It's not difficult. Uh, there's a lot of people, there's something on the Football Ramble, the preview of the weekend. Go listen to it because there's still time um, <coughs> where they read out a guy's letter. <coughs> Excuse me. They read out a guy's letter and he basically says, economically, it makes sense that ticket prices keep going up. But what he completely discounts is that uh, if you use basic models of anything, then you can make anything work. So if you go, well, supply and demand, isn't it? Then you can, you can basically justify anything. Uh, you know, there's demand for guns. Well, we'll sell them then. doesn't work that way. Mm. Well, this is quite interesting. That it's external factors, right? That they're sort of, like, for example, somebody's wage that they're not taking into consideration because they are just going down the line of, we need to make more money, right? Whereas they should be taking into consideration that fans are part of this ecosystem and are a massive part of this ecosystem. Mm. Atmosphere of football makes football. Football without, without authenticity fans, is, football. Not, is not football, essentially. Um, I was on Green Street the other day, one of the most authentic streets. Um, Dave uh, Olsen says, similar to what footballers are often asked, if you wouldn't have been podcasters, <laughs> which I mean not, what would you be? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, so let's, let's, let's take this outside the box, Orange, right? So if you yeah. weren't in your life right now, so let's say... I'd be an economist, then. Lawrence of, six, of 16 years old. Yeah. What would you, you know, if you couldn't have taken this path? Dave, there was you- a critical turning point. My, one of my dad's friends took me out for a drink and he said, uh, Lawrence, you, you want to do... I really loved reading The Economist and loved economics in school. And I said, what do you... He said, what do you want to be? Do you really want to be an economist? And I said, I do. And he said... You could make a business where you pay other people to do your economics for you. Go out and do something that you love. And I went and did this. So I, I almost took another route. I almost went to Manchester and did economics, Dave. That is a powerful message, that, Lawrence. That is a power, powerful message. It, I'm, not saying, <clears throat> I'm not saying, you know, leave, leave everything behind. Everyone has responsibility, and I've realised that as I've grown up. Um, but what I am saying is, you know, don't just sort of let other people tell you what to do have have some have some perspective dave what, what uh, but if not i think i'd probably just be you know i'd be like the number seven you know what i mean i'd just be mm. num- i'd just be seven dave what would what would you be um i don't know like potentially i could have gone down the route of not going to university i probably would have gone into some sort of like 
uh, accountancy or finance, which would have been really boring. Yeah. What's quite interesting, though, I kind of like feel that I would have always fallen into this path because obviously a keen admirer of football. Keen so admirer of football. I feel there would have always would have been this crossover, this sort of like, you know, fate in a way that this was supposed to happen. We were supposed to record this today without Adam. We were su- exactly, Dave. And what else I believe is that on your gravestone, you'll have Dave O'Brien, David O'Brien, keen admirer of football. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good word. Wasn't a fan of Village. <laughs> what would Adam, yeah, not a fan of Village. What would Adam, uh, although maybe you will have, uh, maybe Dave, you, you, Adam and I will all get buried in the same place. Oh, yeah. What, as a three? As a three, Dave. In, in formation, we'll be buried. This is powerful stuff, this I, Lawrence. Dave, if you call everything powerful stuff, nothing becomes <laughs> powerful. Um, what would Adam be? A drunkard. Speaking of which, Adam <laughs> has just messaged the group WhatsApp. He said, apologies, lads. Sleeping off a big night. You already recorded. To which I reply, yes, now. F off. <laughs> there we go. And Dave, Dave can confirm... Uh, that I did actually just type that in the group. Yes, uh, yeah, I've got it. I've got Be- it through. It's Dave, through. best European player to have never played at the Euros or World Cup? Um, Ryan Giggs. Oh, I think. Gareth Bale so far, but he'll be there. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't wait for Wales, actually. They're going to be fun. Dave, let's go. They really are. Let's go quick fire here. If, uh, yeah, let's go. Hansal Abassi says, if you had to be stranded on an island with any football personality, who would it be? Um... Alex Ferguson. <laughs> David, that is a rubbish lover. Um, <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> Lawrence, who would you go with? Yeah, I know your answer already, mate. It would be, it would be Xabi Alonso. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> if you could sign one player from a team you support, past or present, who would you choose? Xabi Alonso. Dave? Um, Carlos Tevez. Out of all the players, Harry says, out of all the players in the Squawker 23 list, who would you want most and why? Dave, you um, did the video for this. Come on. Uh, Paul, Paul Pogba. Pogba, probably, just because of his, you know, he's, his ability. <coughs> he is number one. That's a cracking list, by the way. If you haven't checked out, really jump is. over to Squawker. Scroll down the homepage. 23, under 23. It's a great list. Dybala would be another player. that. Dybala is such like. a good one. Have you seen uh, Pogba and Dybala playing with the ball when they're getting ready for a free kick? Oh, it's just a joke, mate. Go and find it. so it's good at football. There's um, another great clip as well against Kievo this season where they basically do like two back heels to each other and then they just play and it's just yes. like, wow. And, then they kick, and what I love is they kick it to each other, kick it, and then when they kick it off to another player, they're almost like, right, we've had our fun. Here you go, mate. <laughs> and you then go, a normal player gets it, and everyone's sort of like, oh. Um, Piot Gala says, do you prefer zonal or man marking? Explain your reasoning. Wow, it's like an exam. I prefer zonal uh, if the players can play it. Uh, I prefer uh, probably zonal on the pitch, but I probably prefer a mixture at set pieces of uh, zonal yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, what you want is you want uh, zonal with knowledgeable players and then man-to-man with less knowledgeable players. Uh, you see, I'd, I'd completely go with one man on the front post, yeah. a guy on the front, sorry, guy on the front post, guy on the back post, and one guy attacking that front post area, and then I go man-to-man behind that. That would be my combination. So it's not quite zonal. It's probably more man to, a man-to-man scheme than a zonal scheme of free kicks. Uh, Dave, is this a championship-defining weekend in the BPL and Syria? Uh, 100%, yes. Syria is going to be brilliant. Um, 7.45, uh, Napoli versus Juventus. And obviously, we've got the Sunday Premier League games. Firstly, what, Arsenal, Leicester, and then Spurs versus Manchester City. So I'm so, so excited. This is going to be such a good weekend of football. 
uh, Brian tweeted, he said, just listening, just got around to listening to the front three. I wouldn't get your hopes up, Adam, uh, about Spurs. The Foxes are probably taking it uh, relevant there. Uh, Adam then tweeted himself, I prefer when people call me the British Morgan Freeman. We'd love to all write our own reviews, Adam. Um, (laughs) Farhan, we're going to finish here, Dave, says, uh, you describe Laurent Blanc and PSG's playing style. Go. Um, Sideways, boring, but with some real (laughs) shebang up front. With with Angel Di Maria. (laughs) Yeah, with Angel Di Maria and Zlatman up front. That's all we have time for this week, guys. Uh, we got some lovely questions and there were some we didn't get around to answering. Uh, we're sorry. We, we want something that we would be interested in listening to as well. So uh, submit your questions again and bring back some more. Go think up some more questions. We'd love to have you on the channel. Dave, if people want to go find you, where can they find you? Um, we're going to not do that this week, Lawrence, but we're oh. going to go to let's um, all hit Adam Boltwood with um, some abuse. Yes. Hashtag I, am, I, hashtag I am the asshole. <laughs> Hashtag where is Boltwood? You know, whatever you want to do, uh, just send send him something funny. Uh, Don't follow him. Tweet (laughs) that now. Tweet that now. It's been lovely to have you guys, and we'll see you again real soon. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. On the front three.